Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have Greg Howe. How are you? Doing well. Well, Greg is a fantastic, fantastic guitar player who I've loved for years. And as I was saying earlier, Greg, the, the fourth law, I was enjoying him on Dweezil's podcast, Running with the, the Dweezil, mm-hmm. talking about geeking out over being Halen, the common love that a lot of guitar players have. Um, would you say he was your first big guitar player, though, for you, that really influenced you? He was the first guy that made me say, um, I think I want to do this for a living. Because, I, you know, before him, um, I was listening to... I figured out a lot of the Zeppelin stuff and a lot of Jimmy Page stuff. And, uh, and I was and the guitar was kind of a hobby thing that I would do after school. Nobody really knew that I played, but when Van Halen came out, it was such a, uh, such a big jump ahead. <laughs> and it was so sort of mystical and mysterious that I was like, I got to crack this code. I got to figure this out. So I, I kind of became obsessed and then, uh, really got into his playing as a result of just at first, being up for the challenge of trying to figure out what it was he was doing. It's amazing how he changed and influenced so many guitar players' lives. I mean, it's you know, Absolutely. really, really did. I, it's like his, it's like his guitar was like a spaceship. It was so foreign. What he would do? I mean, you, you could dig riffs from bands, but like the sounds he made, you're like, is that a guitar? Was that like? So it's really, really, really good. How, it really makes you think. And I think even if you don't sound like Eddie or anybody. It was, it was influential and it made you think outside of the box. Like, you're like, what? An instrument can do that? Like, I don't have to follow these skills? Like, some of the notes and intervals that Eddie did don't make sense on paper. You're like, that should be wrong, you know? There, yeah. But when you hear yeah, it, yeah. And it's, you're like, it's beautiful. Those notes don't make sense. But when you play it, it's beautiful. Then how do you get that? How do you get your hand to do that? I mean, that's, you know. Right. Yeah, he had his own thing. He basically, you know, uh, People can say whatever they want about him, but there, you can't get that flavor from any place other than the Eddie Van Halen store. There's no, but nobody sounds like that. Nobody plays like that. He had his own uh, thing. And, and that's honestly, that's what I love. All, all the musicians that I love are musicians that have big, easily recognizable personalities in their playing. When your first bands you had, and actually, were you in a band with your brother first or did you sign to Shrapnel with your solo? Well, we had a band for years right out of high school. Yeah, right. we had a band. Right. Um, and we'd always have, uh, we'd have a few different bass players and, and drummers that would come in and out. But um, we had decided that we wanted to move to Florida because we, we had actually showcased for just about every single label by 1987, you know, I-86. Um, we had showcased for everybody and we didn't get signed. So we just figured, well, if we're going to be a cover band, let's go to Florida and do it somewhere where it's kind of cool and fun and there's a lot of nice weather and bikinis and all that. And um, just for the heck of it, just on just for the heck of it, I decided to just throw a, a demo together on a, on a Fostex or Tascam machine um, cassette and just, it, they weren't even songs, they were just sort of backing tracks that I created, single, you know, simple grooves, simple chord changes, and then just me blowing over them. And I sent them to Mike Barney's spotlight column, <clears throat> thoroughly expecting to never hear back from him. Um, but I did do something that, uh, that was a little bit, I guess, uh, on my side, which was he had a, a PO box that, that he told everyone to send his stuff to their stuff to. Uh, and I did, but I also sent a FedEx overnight FedEx package to guitar player magazine. So I knew somebody was actually going to physically have this package in their hand and have to sign for it and probably, 
deliver it to him. So it, it would end up being separated from all the, the hundreds of cassette tapes that are landing in his PO box. And that actually worked <clears throat> because I got a call from him, uh, I think the very next day or two days later, either the next day or two days later. Um, and so that was an interesting situation because he wanted me to sign a four album deal with him and which we did initially the, the original deal was four albums, but he wasn't, he wasn't that gung ho about having a vocal band. Uh, I had to really bargain for that. So we, we were, we negotiated. That's why the first album is Greg Howe. The second album is an album called high gear, which was the band. The third album was a, uh, also a vocal album called now hear this. And then the fourth album was actually introspection. That was the end of that original contract. So, um, yeah, I, I, the the world of instrumental music was something I was introduced to when I got signed. I, I had never written an instrumental song prior to Mike Varney. Uh, I never even thought about it. Everything was vocal band. Every All the songs that we wrote were vocals. All the songs that we covered were vocal tunes. I never even, it never even crossed my mind that I would be an, uh, a solo instrumental artist. That's, that was just a weird, bizarre concept. So I had to, I had to learn that. Um, almost immediately when Mike Barney said, yeah, I want you to do a solo album. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you, what does that mean? You know, because generally speaking, I write the song or the, the chord changes and sort of the riff and the groove, the music. And I hand it to my brother and he would, he would do all the lyrics and the melody lines. And, and uh, that was a great, easy formula. And now suddenly I had to be the lead singer on the guitar. And uh, it's just, it was a different way of thinking. So I had to really, listen to a lot of stuff. Um, I remember listening a lot to um, a lot of his uh, shrapnel guys, you know, Tony McAlpine and, um, you know, Vinnie Moore. And, um, and then I, I went back and listened to like the Steve Morse uh, introduction album and just tried to get in the headspace right. of in instrumental artists. So uh, that that's part of what influenced that first record. Has it changed now? Because you also had a band not too long ago. Well, I guess long ago now. This the apocalypse here has thrown off my time zone for things. <laughs> not too long ago, the year you did have a band, Marigold, right? I said right for a while too. So yeah, like you've gone yeah. and done solo, and then you did the bands. Do you feel like it's easy now to jump between the two worlds, or is it like you have to kind of get used to one, and then you got like, all right, now I got to get used to not having a singer. Now I have to get used to having a singer, or it's just you know. It's, it's a mindset that I have to get. Yeah, I have to acclimate mentally because um, when I'm in, uh, when I'm in um, band mode with a singer, um, my whole, the whole creative process is, sor is sourced from a different place, you know. I'm not thinking the same way. Um, so I have to get in that mindset. I have to get in that frame of mind. And it's just a different mindset. It, it's a mindset that has much more to do with... Um, you know, addressing people and playing to people who aren't necessarily musicians at all. And, and so, and that's fun. It, it, it's fun to hear people who aren't musicians say, I like that song, you know, um, it's easy to make musicians impressed because you can just play complex things and, and impressive things right. and they, they like it, but to play something that's really catchy and hooky and memorable, um, and hopefully hit both worlds, you know, hopefully, be able to make the musicians go, I like that, and make, you know, the, the normal listeners say the same thing. So with instrumental music, in a strange way, I feel like um, it's easier because there's no boundaries. There's no limits. There's no, uh, 
there's no rules. There's no laws, right? I mean, we can go to halftime here. Let's go into seven. Um, let's just put a strange break here. Uh, let's, let's do some bizarre odd time thing with backwards drum. But, you know, we can do anything. Let's just make a, a strange story out of this, this, this piece. Um, let's do a unison line. Uh, there's no boundaries. There's no, there's nothing, there's no thing. Nothing's confining you. It's, I think sometimes a bigger challenge to work. That's why I, I always, I'm always impressed with like uh, songwriters, pop songwriters. When I hear a pop song come on the radio, that's brand new and it's catchy. And yet it's using the same three or four chords that we've heard used right. a million times, but yet somehow they've twisted it a little bit and they've done something that puts uh, their stamp of create creativity on it. And it's somehow you're going, how, how could this not have been written already? This is amazing. So sometimes I find that more impressive and more challenging to actually work within the confines of these boundaries. But both, but both worlds are fun. I just, uh, I do, I guess to answer your question finally, yeah, I do, um, I like a little bit of time to acclimate. It doesn't happen instantly. It would feel like it'd be, I guess, and I'm just saying this, I'm not a good, I'm not a good guitar player, but it feels like it'd be easier to just be part of a band to be almost like if you don't have like, you got a team, you can kind of pull off the brakes a little bit. And it's more of a relaxing, fun, jammy thing. Not that it's not as serious, but it's it's just there's less on you because as a, as an instrumentalist, you are the lead singer with your melody lines, and they have to work with the rest of the composition. Now you can go off and do different beats. You don't have to worry about being four four and stuff, as you're saying. And you can you know kind right. of that almost 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 get kind of proggy by being able to just. And I think a prog is lets you go where the song goes. That's why I think a prog right. is. But, but but it lets you really go different spots. But when you have a band, you can kind of pull back out of some things. You know, because you're not right. that person. You know, which makes a difference. Right, exactly. And I think uh, you look at a band like Dream Theater, which I, I, you know, what an amazing career they've had, and 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 pretty surprising because their music is is complicated, is complicated, and very, you know, sometimes hard to understand. And yet they have a humongous fan base. So that's that's really impressive. That whole the fact that they exist is so successfully, I think, is really cool. Yeah, it's like a, they're like a huge underground band because right. besides that one song that everyone knows on the radio, no right. one knows all the other albums, you know. And each album, though, is, each album you have to look at like a, like a song because they're written in a way that it's, a, it's an album anyhow. It's not, they're not a singles band, you know. So, right. Yeah, and, exactly. to have, and to have a huge fan base like that is pretty amazing, which is great. It says a lot for the music world, really, you know. But prior to this, so like, who were you touring with? Like, like how, how, like for touring though, what were you doing before for touring for just you? Because I know there's different ways of touring. Like you can either just do like the whole guitar, you know, Generation X thing. And oh, those things are fun for just, because I know it's like, when it's just a guitar thing, it's, a, it's mostly a male dominated audience. that just wants to see guitars, you know? And it was like, you know, it was, that's always a joke, you know? And it's like, and, it, and the girls are there, usually the girlfriends that are brought along because they have to or somebody's birthday gift, right? <laughs> Right. Oh, but, but then, do you, uh, right, yeah, or the other shows, do you want to be like, do you try doing shows where you're not the only guitar player? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's a, a mixture. So you, you just, you're the only guitar player and it's a pop band, Yugos, Yugoslavian, polka band, like, you know, what do you try for? Or does it really matter? It's a protocol you? thing for a while. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that was, that's, that was a lot of fun. That was, uh, um, and that album got nominated for a Grammy, which was, which was pretty flattering. Um, and that stuff was, I guess that, that was, that was loads of fun to play. 
I mean, to go out and, and do that. Uh, it felt like, but it really kind of felt like what I do anyway, you know? Right. So it, it, it's, it's instrumental. It's, you know, sort of sophisticated instrumental stuff with odd rhythms and a lot of chord changes and somewhere between prog and fusion. Um, and that was fun. Maybe I mean, not so much now, but have, have other bigger bands tried getting you to come in to join them? Kind of like Steve I did, like for Whitesnake, for the tour of an album. Have you, because you are a guitar in that same genre, Gunslinger, fantastic, well-known <laughs> guitar player that would be the same stable as getting a Steve I, you know what I'm saying? Or mm -hmm. have, you, have you ever been approached by that, by other artists for that? Uh, you mean other artists in terms of if to join them yeah. on tour or to? Either, yeah, anything. On tour, they need a guitar player or, or to join the band. They lost the guitar player, but they need a name. Because you're, you're a good guitar player, obviously. But you oh, also so have thanks. a name. So, 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 but you know what I'm saying? So, but bringing you in would also be, you know, they're not going to bring a nobody into some of these larger bands. You bring right. your own audience. So, kind of curious, has any other larger bands said, hey, for an album or for a tour or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I've had some requests for things like that. Um, and, and actually, the, you know, the Simon Phillips, the protocol band was that, you know. Right, that's, that's, uh, that's what we think of it, yeah. Yeah, that was that. Um, a lot of times I just, a lot of times it was me that there's a couple of things that I didn't want to be a part of because it, would, it just didn't quite excite me the right way, you know. Um, I, and I don't want to mention names of no. them. But, um, sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. Um, you know, the thing is, I've, I'm so used to being <clears throat> sort of like, I don't want to say in the driver's seat, but um, usually it'll be me who's trying to get Dennis Chambers and Stu Ham on my albums. You know, I'm, it's usually me trying to put that situation together. Um, and I guess I don't know why that is. Partially, I think it's because um, I, I, I really want to enjoy the music that I'm playing. Because I do know what it's like to be on stage and be getting and getting paid for for stuff that you really that's not really inspiring you, that's not lighting you up, and it's it's sort of like it makes you think, you know, if I'm just here to make money, then I, there's other ways to do this. Why, you know, I could I could I could have done I could have just you know become like a Wall Street trader or something if I'm just gonna <laughs> make money. Um, right. I don't know. So it has to be fun. It, there has to be a certain level of inspiration there there for me. Um, so yeah, I have been asked a few times, not not a ton, to be honest with you, not not a ton of times, but um, and and I, I am open to things. So I mean, any, anybody who's watching, if you you know, if you've got if you if you need a guitar player for your cool thing, yeah. I'm, I'm available. <laughs> I'm certainly open to it. But um, yeah, it hasn't happened a whole lot. Well, just you you come to mind because like, especially Richie Costa when he came into back in the day, he did the Poison gig. Obviously, it didn't work out for whatever the reasons would be. Blues came in. Blues mm -hmm. did it. And when it was done, we got done. He loved it because he, he hadn't done it yet. And then when he was done, he's like, I did that now. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do that. Like, like, it was a fun thing. It was like a bucket list thing almost. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was fun. So, there, you know, Steve Vines right. did what he for a while, but then he left and he's back to his own person again. Like, a lot of them, either sometimes it can either be, I don't know the reasons for any of them, for fun, for a different audience, for change, to, mm -hmm. um, the, the money. I mean, that was a big, great thing about Steve's deal. It was like a huge deal of cash, which is awesome. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. stop playing with White Snake to begin with. And then you got a big hunk of change. You go build yourself a studio and, you know, do your own music. So it, it's win-win. Um, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think it'd be interesting to see somebody, if you just play with somebody, even for an album, it'd be kind of interesting to see just something different. 
It would be. It yeah. would be fun. And, and I get inspired by doing things that are different. I, I, um, I, I really almost need that to remain, to stay inspired, you know. I, I need, I need to turn always a little bit. Well, that's the thing. So, like, how, how are you for songwriting and for, like, in practicing? Because your last album was, what, is it 2017? Yeah. On a daily basis, are you, when you're not touring or something, are you, are you playing every day and practicing? Are you writing every day? Like, um, I'm, I don't write every day, but um, I have a ton of ideas. I have a ton of um, sort of half put together songs that, that once I start to get in there, they'll, they'll shape up and become, you know, genuine compositions. Um, yeah, I, I, I try to have the guitar in my hands. I do a lot of uh, online teaching, so I, I, that keeps the guitar in my hands because left to my own devices, it was, it's easy to find all kinds of other things to do that don't involve playing the guitar. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with things, so. Well, actually, you know, Dweezil actually was one of me, was about me to come with this question, actually. He's like, I haven't, when I was talking to him, he's like, I've made a guitar in X amount of time, like months, he goes, I'll probably get calluses, I don't even have calluses anymore. And then as like, as it goes on, there's a lot of guitar players that don't, they take get home from tour or whatever, and they put the guitar in a corner for a couple months. Yeah, yeah, I, me, that, like, I don't. That seems hard to me. Yeah, I, I, the, the problem with me is that it falls apart much faster than it comes together. So you know, if I don't play for a week, uh, yeah. it, it just, <laughs> I feel, I really feel um, under par. Um, even if other people don't notice it, I, I mean, I big time notice it, and I don't like that feeling. So. I try to, even if it's, even if I'm not inspired, I'll pick the guitar for at least an hour or two and, and just, just to be disciplined enough to, to not lose, you know, to maintain, right. you know. That's how I just assumed it was like, you know, a little here and there for guitar players, but right. here there's, there's extreme. And some of them are still practiced every day, real hardcore. So, you know, I, I thought it was really cute, more in the middle, but it, which surprised yeah. me it's not though. Um, so actually, so let's talk about your uh, guitar classes and, and how long have you been teaching now? Because the web's been doing teaching for a while, different models. Mm. So, so let's talk about your lessons and other stuff you're working on teaching wise. Yeah, I have a, uh, I've been wanting to do this for years. And it's a, basically an online, online lessons that people can get a hold of and just see, I, you know, because um, it's, uh, there's so much subject matter. Um, so until that's released, until that is available, um, yeah, they're one-on-one -on -one lessons. I just do uh, private lessons <clears throat> and I teach, um, when I say I do a lot, I basically, I teach Thursday, Fridays and Saturdays in the mornings, my time. So it's not a ton. I don't do a ton cause I, I really leave everything open for, um, the main part of my career, you know, the creating and, and recording and all that. But, um, yeah, that's what it's been thus far. But, um, I'm, I'm excited about this uh, thing. It's going to be two people on camera. It's going to be me and another guy. And because I'm such a, I don't want to say I'm a perfectionist. I don't think I'm a perfectionist, but I'm the kind of person who, if I do a take on camera, I want it to be right. I want it to be clear. I don't want to stumble over my words too much. I want to make sure that the execution's right. And I noticed that um, it takes me forever to do something if I, if I keep that standard. But if I have somebody with me who just asks a question and says, hey, so what are you, what are you doing when you play over these, this type of chord progression? Right. And then I just demonstrate it. It's a much more relaxed 
uh, environment. It's a much more relaxed vibe. And, and there seems to be less pressure on me with regards to how, you know, professional I need to sound or how articulate that I need to be. I, I just think it'll, it'll come across more relaxed. It's a conversation. And, you know, conversation. it's a conversation and you forget that you're actually got a camera on you and you just like you're showing a friend something and while well, you guys are just jibber jabbering. Exactly. And I think that would be much better for uh, the viewer. I think it'll be much more, it'll, it'll, because it'll give them also sort of a, a look into my, my, my world a little bit. It, you know, they'll get a, a dose of who, who I am personality wise more. I think it's a great idea. Um, that's kind of like, I do a record show with Dweezil and I ask him, we break out all the songs, we'll pick it out. He, we pick out an album out then he'll sit through it and I'll, I'll bring up the songs and then he'll, he hasn't looked, you know, looked at the album in years and he'll remember yeah. everything about every guitar. So as I bring it up and, and I think of questions, I, I come from a fan or I get fan questions. So it's almost like, a, you know, other fans and people like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm conjuring up the other, I'm, I'm all the fans, you know, setting out the right. questions to him as he goes down. Probably he wouldn't think of it the same way and it's, and it's better to have somebody conversate with you. It, it has a nice yeah. And people really going to like it. I think people will like it a lot more. Um, I, I think that I'll get, we'll certainly get, I'll get a lot more done and, and, you know, a lot more done because it'll, it'll, it'll just keep moving, you know, we'll just keep the camera rolling. Um, and I'd like to, you know, it, it's ambitious, but I'd like to have that out before the end of the year. So we, it's, it'll be a lot to do a lot of, uh, it'll be a lot, but, <clears throat> but I think, it's, yeah, it'll, it'll be a big undertaking, but I think we can. I think I can pull it off. If not, That's then cool. by early next, by early next year. Yeah. Well, you could do modules and have the first half done and release that part. You know what I mean? And then keep working yeah. on it so you're not a negative. You know, because it's going to get, you know, develop your audience. And it's just, you know, there are a lot of other guitar classes. You got to have your own niche. You know, I think it definitely you'll get fans. You'll get people to do it. You know. Oh yeah, there's done, uh, yeah, absolutely. There's always room. But it's hard. Yeah. <clears throat> And, and there, truthfully, there's a lot of bad ones out there. So, you know. I've seen a few that are kind of like, hmm, wow, I'm surprised this guy's, you know, got his business <laughs> running. But, um, but I've seen some uh, really good yeah. ones too. What do you yeah. do for, for endorsements now, for guitars and strings? Well, that we so do it, right. So I have an amp that's coming out with DVMark. I've been with DVMark uh, for amplification since, I think, 2013 or 14. And um, it's been great. They're like, it's like a family over there. So <clears throat> we've done a bunch of amplifiers and I, and I know I'm a, I'm a major pain in the ass for them because I'm really never totally satisfied. But um, they recently did what's essentially a <clears throat> pretty much a pedal platform amp, no high gain stage in it, just, uh, just sort of a JTM 45 style, clean, spanky, punchy, amp and it, it's it sounds amazing um with my you know putting some overdrive pedals in front of it so i think this is going to be uh i think this is coming out at the nam show i think <clears throat> i'm gonna find out very soon but um yeah look for that amp that's gonna be cool uh, i'm i have not been this excited about an amp in a long time uh, it's very basic. It's very old school. It's very, uh, it's got an organic whole feel to it. So, um, it's a no frills amp. It's no, there's nothing modern about it. It's just, um, you know, probably some EL 34s and, and, uh, 
you know, a nice power transformer and an old, you know, schematic wiring, you know, it's, it's going to be nice. Um, and I also have a brand new guitar that uh, was officially released um, two, three, two or three days ago, right? This is the... Look at that. Yeah, so this guitar is a... Um, it's going to be... It's a Kiesel. That's the company yep. I'm with. And so I designed the body. I, I came to Jeff with this body design, and it didn't look like this at all. It looked much different. In fact, um, one of the earlier prototypes uh, you can see here so it's kind of you know oh yeah the first so the first step so really like the shorter horn the sort of uh shorter shape here um and you know but really it just kept looking pretty much like a stratocaster you know the, the modified stratocaster and so i went to california to san diego and worked on it with jeff and between the two of us, I think we came up with something really nice. The one, first thing I decided to do was flatten, you know, get rid of the rounded edges because I thought that that's really what keeps that's what keeps bringing the strat look to it. So once we did that, it really helped. And then uh, Kiesel does these amazing bevels. They have it with their Airy series, yeah. Where you can, and with this particular one, the alder wood is, okay. you know, is exposed. Uh, where the bevel is and, and then the, the top is a poplar top that kind of looks like a you know burl maple or something but it, it's a poplar beautiful poplar top and um i'm also working with a company called vega trem and these guys did a these guys have been around for a, a few years they they basically invented a replacement tremolo for a stratocaster enabling you to pull back on the bar and it's pretty brilliant, pretty simple and pretty brilliant. What they did was they they basically just shortened the base that the saddle sit on. Yeah. And so now you can pull back and and you know okay. make notes you know make notes go sharp in pitch with the with the tremolo bar. you can do that without having that bridge, but you have to that means you have to set your bridge with a nosedive, you know, a little bit. You have to loosen the spring so that it sits up. But anyway, I'm using their bridge because I just, I love the way it sounds. And um, so this guitar just got released and it's called the Lyra. And yeah, it's, I've, I've, I have not been uh, this excited about a guitar because it's the first time I've really ever designed, everything that else I've ever worked with guitar-wise has been more or less accessorizing something that the company already had, you know, just sort of, different pickup configuration on an already existing model or maybe slightly different location of the knobs or something, but nothing uh, really from the ground up. This is, you know, literally a brand new body shape. So um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. So this is the Lyra. Okay, you and this is yeah. What's exactly, that? Yeah. No, it's, it's cool. Yeah. The Lyra, L-Y-R-A. And um, Kiesel has an amazing builder site. They have, um, if you go there, you can put together any guitar they have, but you can, you know, it's really nice to just, I know a lot of companies do it, but there's, I don't know, there's just really smooth where you can just grab, you know, rosewood neck, let's try this color paint, let's try this hardware, let's try this pickup configuration, let's um, let's see what happens if we throw this color volume knob on there or this pick guard. And it's really fun to just watch it show up as you're doing it. And then um, at least then you know exactly what you're going to get when you order it. 
You just don't know what it's going to sound like <laughs> with, the, with everything together. Are, are, are all of them got bolted necks or do they have any solid ones, solid body? Do, I'm sorry? Are all of them uh, bolt-on necks or do they do any solid body? They, you know, they do neck throughs. They do, they do other, other things besides, uh, besides that. Yeah. I, I've always just been a, a bolt-on neck guy. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a tweaker, you know, from the, my Van Halen days, my, you know, I was such a, a fan of his, I was such a fanboy when I was a kid that, um, once I found out that he was basically assembling his own guitars, <clears throat> that's what I did. So I would get, you know, bodies from, um, you know, Warmoth or JV player and then necks, uh, from the same companies or right? in all parts, I'd buy some DiMarzio pickups and put the whole thing together. And, um, it was good for me to learn and it's good to do that because you really kind of really get to learn how a guitar works and how to, how to tweak them and how to do things. So the problem is I tweak all the time. So there's probably not a day that goes by that I don't have an Allen wrench in that truss rod place at some point or right before I got signed to Shrapnel Records in 1988. So, you know, I'm, I'm just experimenting. I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing, you know? <clears throat> so I did the measurement, you know, I did the measurement from the nut to where the, where the post would go. And for the, you know, the intonation has to be just right. So right. I thought, that I, I thought I had done a perfect measurement and then I, you know, I drilled these posts into the wood. And then when I put the bridge on and strung it up, <clears throat> the intonation was out. So the bridge was basically this way. A little bit too far, probably about eighth of an inch, eighth of an inch, between an eighth of an inch and a quarter of an inch. So what I had to do, if you if you know if you can think of what the Floyd Rose, you know Floyd Rose has those that like hook thing that comes around the post that just kind of slides right, it slides right up onto it. I had to drill into that. I had to basically file a bunch of the metal away so it could slide forward more. And what was funny was when it finally was correct this thing every time you'd go down on it, it would just it'd make all this noise because it was just it was no longer on the rocker part right because now <laughs> the whole thing's you know it, it was just this noisy thing and um i actually recorded my first album with that guitar and it was during the recording of that album that mike varney had uh sort of connected with fender and they um they came up to the studio actually during the recording and showed me the hm strat and wanted to know if I wanted to play it. <clears throat> and so to me, it was like, wow, this is a guitar that actually works. This is a real guitar that's smooth. <laughs> I was like, of course <laughs> I want to play it. So uh, that's how that started. That was a, that was a great, that was a great thing. With, uh, what are you using for strings? I, uh, I generally use um, Diodario, the, the XLs, the tens, the 10 set. And then I recently switched, about two years ago, I switched to these, which is the NYs. Yeah, that's, that's what I use. Oh, okay, cool. And then recently they sent me this other set of strings that, um, that's a, that's a new sent, thing. They, yeah. They sent me those yeah. and they sent me um, some, uh, some stuff at the show and they sent me those and some acoustic strings for, from them. Which is oh, great I love the, I, I love using their stuff anyhow. So for me, it was just, you know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've been with Dave Dario since probably 89 or 90 or something. Yeah. Maybe, I've tried a lot of others. 
I think they actually keep in tune better. Like I've gone away for days and come back and it feels like it doesn't drift. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't I know if it's just me or just how I, you know, I do keep it clean and you try to keep me up on it, but I'm like, there's sometimes I'm like, I know I'm going to have to tune it up or whatever. I'm like, man, it's kind of still in tune, man. That's great. Right. Yeah. You know, that's pretty awesome. What are we looking at now as, um, for the future? Album, you think working album, maybe any touring, any. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, this, the last couple of years just really just threw such a gigantic wrench into everything. Um, I was originally supposed to tour. So originally I was supposed to release my album in 2018, 2019, 2019. Um, and then, um, my fiance was diagnosed with, with cancer. So, you know, that became a big deal because we ended up having to, she wanted to move from <clears throat> Vegas, which is where we lived, uh, to Oklahoma, which is where I am now because she was, uh, I was doing so much touring back then, especially because I was doing my own tours and doing the protocol band tours. So I was away a lot and she just felt like, well, you know, I'd like to be around family. I'd like to have family here. You know? So a lot of her family lives here in Oklahoma. So we ended up selling our house in uh, 2019 and moving to Oklahoma. And, um, and a lot of it, and, and a lot of what was happening during the, the last couple of years. First of all, I had to cancel my tour because COVID came came along. COVID came out, right? Yeah. And then I canceled it again um, in 2021 because it still didn't seem like things were ready to, to happen. Um, but also, there was a lot of uh, sort of caretaking going on at that point because she was, you know, I was trying to be there for her. So I was a little bit more. It was a little hands off music. You know, it was kind of a let me put the music on the shelf until we get past this, this phase with her. And, um, so yeah, um, I'm looking forward to getting back on, on the road and getting, getting back on, getting back on track. Um, but I really don't want to do a tour until I release an album. So this is the problem with that is that, um, good tours. And I've been very fortunate to have really nice tours that, that are very, um, good crowds and, and very lucrative and so forth and so on. But to have a tour like that, you usually want to set it up eight to 12 months in advance. Yeah. So if I get a tour, so if I have an album that comes out in, you know, say April, um, I'm not sure about a summer tour, you know, unless I promote it as me just doing a lot of my older stuff. I don't know. So we'll have to see. Um, my, I have to get with my booking agent and see what he wants to do. He's, he contacted me recently. I haven't gotten back to him yet. So, Jeff, if you're watching this, I'm, I'll, I'm going to call you soon. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. One of the things I've heard, though, is the biggest problem right now, now that everyone's touring, is getting a bus or a van or something. Yeah. There's like, there's like a shortage of them for, for musicians now. Like, it's a thing. Is that right? Is that right? Wow. I don't know if it's everywhere, but I've talked to a few lately, and they said, yeah, what's holding them up? But they're getting these weird, weird other ways of doing it because – our tours that they're going to do last minute. They're like, I couldn't do this run because I couldn't get anything to, to go in. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. really odd. I've never heard that before. Well, that hit the um, ground. Right? I think when everything opened up, so I'm hoping by now as things move forward, that obviously as the whole world is opening up and there's more shows, as things are flowing, more investments and stuff. But it, at first it was a big battle for just, you know, like, like printing vinyl. You know what I mean? Just like a yeah. year wait list for your album vinyl. Because there's like three yeah. studios that do a good job in the United States or something. You know what I mean? 
and, yeah. uh, Jack, Jack, Jack's White's being one of them. So there's just really not a lot of choices out there. You know, right. supply and demand. Yeah, that's um, true. Which yeah. really kind of throws you off. Uh, but I just wanted to have you on and I wanted to bring it to the audience and have people check you out that aren't aware of you. you know, I'm a big fan of you. and um, yeah, we could talk I appreciate and, that very much. Oh, and when your album's coming on, we'll, I'll have you come back out. We'll promote your album on here and everything else in your tour. Yeah, I'll come in touch, and anytime something new is coming up, I'll I'll let you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that. This is cool.